All right, well, good morning. How's everybody feeling? <laughs> Praise God. Is everyone awake? Awesome, y'all. Listen, we are really excited. We are actually continuing our, our series that we are in, but we have a actual, we have a, a special guest this morning that I want to, before you come up, I want to just let y'all know, one, we at City Point Church, we take this thing very seriously. And when I say this thing, I mean the pulpit. And what I mean by that is we take the, the word of God and what is being spoken up here very seriously. And so, and, and I, was, I was talking to my friend Bob here, and I just asked him, I was like, man, would you be willing to do one of, uh, one of these installments in this series? And obviously he said yes, and he was excited about it. But I want to let you guys know something. This man of God has brought something and his family have, has brought something to our church. And I mean that to honor you, Bob and Liz, has brought something to our church that has literally shifted some things. And, and we are beyond excited for him. And I am beyond excited. I want to get out of his way and, and so that he can get out of his own way and let the Holy Spirit move and do something this morning. Can you guys please do me a favor and honor my good friend, Bob, Leo. How y'all doing? Good. Everybody good? You know, um, the Spirit of God is definitely here this morning. And I, I will tell you that during worship, the word undo is what came to my mind. And, you know, sometimes when we think about God being good, and when Jesus came, he was here to undo some things. He was un here to undo the way we think about things. And... Um, when Jason asked me to, to share today, um, the, the topic he asked me to share on was generosity. It's such a, such a misguided concept in the church today. It's, people have been guilted by preachers in pulpits about money and, and just all kinds of ugliness. And so what I'm asking for you to do today is suspend everything that you know, that you think about generosity in the kingdom of God. Forget the church. The kingdom of God. Generosity. Just suspend that for a few minutes and be willing to undo, allow God to undo some things in you as he's done in me and in my family over the years. Can we do that? We good? All right. So I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. That's a fun fact, right? Sort of. Um, my first view of generosity came when I was 10 years old. My mother was working a job that didn't pay her when she didn't work, right? Some of us have sick time and we get paid for sick time, but this job didn't pay her. And she got pneumonia right after Thanksgiving when I was 10 years old. And my brother got it as well. He's seven years younger than I am. And we had no money. So think about Thanksgiving to Christmas, right? We had no money. And there was a man by the name of Richard Kness who was a singer at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, a world-renowned tenor. And he came to our house. He came to our church. But one day he came to our house somewhere in the middle of December, and the knock came at the door of our apartment, and it was, a, it was Richard Kness. And I thought, wow, hey, Mr. Kness, what's going on? My mother was in bed, my brother was in bed, and it was just me. And... We were, he said, I just wanted to come over. And I'm like, okay, fine. Well, I didn't notice at the moment that he had four huge bags of groceries. He walked into my house, put those groceries on the table. He said, I just wanted you guys to have something to eat. 
And he turned around, he went to the door. And he said, oh, before I leave, he went in his pocket, he took out a $100 bill. Y'all, I had never seen a $100 bill before, ever. Took out a Benjamin, and he handed it to me, and he said, I want you guys to have Christmas presents this year. And I was like, this is cool. How am I going to break this hundred? Right? (laughs) So I run into my mom, and I was like, Mom, Mr. Kness came. We have groceries. We have turkey and ham and potatoes. And he gave me this so that we could go get Christmas presents. So at 10 years old, y'all, generosity became part of my life. Because of a man who I didn't really know. And by the way, Richard Kness went on to have a world-renowned career in the opera and died in about 2006. Um, I never saw him again after that day. We never saw him again after that day. So generosity is not about your money. Generosity is basically, so what does it mean to be generous? When we hear generosity, we say, oh, this person's generous or that person's generous. Immediately our brain goes to money, right? That's what we do. But that's not about money. Generosity is about basically giving what you have. That's what it is. So I'm going to give you today four principles of generosity, and then I'm going to give you five practices, things you can actually do when you leave here to become a generous person in the kingdom of God using what God has given you. We good? That sounds like a lot, but I'm going to get it done. All right. Generosity isn't about money. That's the first principle. It's not about money. Give what you have. So what do you have? You have time. You have your talent. You have your treasure. So what's your treasure? Your treasure is your money. Sometimes. Sometimes. There was a man that uh, was in our small group at a church we were going to a number of years ago in the 90s, way, way back in the 90s. Um, And he was in our small group, good friend. He had not had a job for a year. Maxed out his credit cards just to pay the mortgage. Put food on the table for his four kids and wife. Like he was done. There was no more anything. No more money, no more, like it was over. And so we were at a men's meeting one time and he, and he, uh, he brought a guitar. His name was Jim. Brought a guitar to that men's meeting. And um, I play acoustic, by the way. You all don't know that because I'm usually behind the drums. But, um, but so what happens is I was playing Jim's guitar through the sound system and it was amazing. It sounded oh, so rich. And you know those guitars like this one that sounds so warm and rich through? And, and you go, oh, it's like a blanket, like around. And, and I was like, like, this was the guitar that I was playing. I'm like, this is amazing. And so I'm like, Jim, this guitar is amazing. Didn't think anything of it. Went home. Two weeks later, we were in small group together. And out comes Jim with the guitar in the case. And he said, I need to give this guitar to you. And I'm like, whoa. Like any of us would be. Yeah. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. I can't take your guitar. Yeah. There's no way that I can just take this. And he started to cry. And he said, this is all I have to give. This is my only seed. And I'm a man of, 
that I understand how generosity works in the kingdom of God. This is all I have to give. You can't deny my seed, Leo. You can't deny my seed. So take it. I still have that guitar today. I've led worship with it for many, many, many years. It's in my office. I play it every week. But not long after that, Jim got a job after over a year of not working. Jim got a job, paid off all his credit cards, got his mortgage back. Everything was amazing, right? Why? Because he gave what he had. The only seed that he had, he sowed. So generosity, first thing, is not about your money. Okay? The second thing is that there is greater benefit to the giver than to the receiver. God doesn't need your money or my money or our seed or our stuff. He doesn't need it. But he wants us to give it for us. The church doesn't need your money. Okay? Because God will take care of his church. But what he needs you to do is give your time, your talent, your treasure so that you can be blessed by him. That's the purpose of giving. That's the purpose of generosity. There's a greater benefit to you, the giver, than there is to the receiver. Now, it's easy to hear that and go, whoa, of course he's saying that. He wants to get a new building for these guys, right? But they would like to have a new building. We would like to have a new building. But God's going to do what God's going to do with respect to our building. He's going to do what he's going to do with or without us. Okay? Generosity is about your heart, number three. It's about your heart, not your things. In 1 Samuel 15, God, through the prophet Samuel, to King Saul gave a command. And however you feel about, like, the brutality of the Old Testament, we'll set that aside for a minute, okay? But he basically told Saul, through Samuel, go take the Amalekites and kill them all. And everything they own, and I don't want anything left, right? So Saul goes and does the deed, except he brought home the king. So he could flaunt. And he thought, I got a great idea. I'm going to take the best of the sheep and the goats. and the, I'm going to take the best and I'm going to bring them back. And we're going to sacrifice them to our God. Sounds like a good idea. How many of you know sometimes our ideas are not God's ideas? <laughs> right? Right? Sometimes we think it's a good thing, but it's not a good thing because what happened? He told us to do X and we did X and a little bit of Y. Right? So what happened to Saul is he brought things back and Samuel said, God has rejected you as king because obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So what does that mean? That means basically that when you go through the process of your life, and we as a family have lived this since God gave it to us probably 25 years ago, hear God do what he says. And I've got another hour on that one, but not today. Okay? It's on my license plate. If you want a bracelet, I have bracelets that have HG. Hear God do what he says. 
they're in, it's in Comic Sans, so you have to live with that style choice, right? So, so I ordered it. That's a font, by the way, that's unpopular with the young people. Um, but, but here's the deal. What if we lived our life by that one thing? Hear God and do what he says. Does it matter who you marry? Does it matter what job you get? Does it matter where you live? Does it matter if he asks you to move? Hear God do what he says. Because if we can hear him and do what he says, and he says obedience is better than sacrifice, then he gets to do what he does. Bless you and bless me. Right? So why not? Just do it. Hear God do what he says. Take away all the, the, the things that we know and let God reveal himself to us afresh. Right? So... Jesus undid our thinking when he came here. There was conventional wisdom in the law, and he undid it. We call it now kingdom thinking. That's a great church word, kingdom thinking. But basically, he messed up common human thinking. And I'm going to read this with you in Luke 6, 32 to 38. Check this out. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, should you even get the credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. But check this out. Now he unwinds the whole thing, right? Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Anybody here like to be kind to those who are unthankful and wicked? I don't. But he is. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Don't judge others and you will not be judged. Don't condemn others or you will... or. Or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Check this out right here. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room. Everybody say make room. Make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now listen, we're going to go over in a minute a scripture in Malachi that pulpit people have used for a long time to guilt people into giving, tithing and a tenth and all that stuff. Do you know when Jesus talked about giving, he said give? He didn't say give 10%. What he said actually was give to make room. The amount you give will determine what you get back. Why would we limit ourselves to 10%? Or if you have the faith or the ability to reach out and go from nothing to 1% or half a percent, but you're obeying God. Remember I said it's not about your stuff. It's about your heart. It's okay. That's okay. Jesus unwound that, but he said, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure. I'm quoting from the King James, which is how I learned it. Pressed down, shaken together, running over to make room for more. All right? The fourth thing, and this is one that gets people a little squirrely when I talk about it a lot. Money is a tool. 
That's it. It's just a tool. And money's purpose is for two things. Our comfort and productivity in our absence. You say, Leo, that's little, like, that messes my head up. Like, what does that mean? It means that last week when I was on business in Seattle, Washington, I was mowing my yard in Knoxville, Tennessee. Why? Because I pay somebody to mow my yard. So the money that I gave them creates the productivity of mowing my yard in my absence. And if you've been to my house, you know that I ain't mowing my yard because it's on a hill like this. Right? It's just no good. So I pay somebody productivity in my absence. That's the, if you think about money, let's demystify money. Right? It's just for your comfort and for productivity in your absence. Do we need it? Of course we need it. Why? So that our bellies don't, like, feel hungry. Right? That's our comfort. And for all the other things that we need. So just relax. Chill out. Like, money's just a tool. Jesus talked about it because people were obsessed with it a lot. And we are obsessed with it in our society and in our church worlds. But just chill. Just chill out and trust God about your money. So, what does Matthew say about this? No one can serve two masters. For you're either going to love one or hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't. It's just a tool. Everybody say tool. 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 It's just a tool. It's a tool that God uses in this time, in ancient times, to buy and sell things for our comfort and for our productivity in our absence. That's it. That's the only reason money exists. So let's demystify this. God has given us provision, right? Sometimes in church we use Jehovah Jireh, right? That means our provider, Jehovah God the provider. You know, that's only used once in the Bible. You know when it was? When God provided a ram to Abraham instead of having him kill his son. If you don't know that story, check it out in Genesis. But that's the only place God provided a sacrifice, a lamb. Does he provide? Yes. Yes, but Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh, the provider. What does God say? God, I will provide all your needs. I will supply all your needs. I know what you need. And in fact... If you go down a little bit more in this verse, uh, in, this, in this passage, it says, Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory, Solomon, rich dude, by the way, uh, look, look that one up, uh, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father, check it out here, already knows what you need. Already knows what you need. Do we really believe that? Do we act and walk like he already knows what we need? Does that mean we shouldn't pray? 
and ask God for what we need? No, doesn't mean. But Jesus was trying to give us the assurance that he already knows what we need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Not even just know what you need, but he'll give it to you. So a number of years ago, uh, going back about 14 or 15 years ago, my oldest son uh, was having trouble with money, as many teenagers do. And in a moment of, I don't know how it happened, but I, God gave me this word picture for him. So I took him out to the back porch, and I had a big pile of grapes, and it was the good grapes, like come from Costco, the big, fat, juicy ones, right? They're amazing, <laughs> right? And I said, I said, Dom, I, I want you to hold your hands out, right? Because he was having trouble with this generosity concept. So I want you to hold your hands out. And I put two big piles of grapes in his hands. And I said, what you're doing, these grapes are money. And what you're doing is you're holding on to them so tight. I want you to squeeze these two handfuls of grapes. And he squeezed those two handfuls of grapes. That's why I took him on the porch, by the way, because it was going to be a mess. And so we squeezed him. And you can imagine all the juice coming out of his hands and, like, things falling down to the ground. And I said, okay, now you've got, you're holding that money real tight now, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, now give me a grape. He couldn't because he was gripping it so tightly. And I said, oh, oh, wait, wait, I want to give you some more grapes. Wow. He couldn't receive the grapes wow, because he was holding on to what he had so tightly. So then I let him off the hook. I said, throw those away. I said, now hold the grapes in your hand and hold them loosely. Yeah. And I said, now give me a grape. And he was easily wow, able to yeah. hand me a good, thick, juicy, not squished grape. <laughs> right? And so, and then I said, okay, let's say you give away this bunch of grapes. What do you have left? He's like, half a group of grapes. And I said, no, you have room to get more grapes. Okay? We have to switch our thinking that says when we give something away, we don't have it anymore. What God says is when you give it away, that you now have room. Remember, make room. You have room for him to bless you more. Okay? So let's twist our thinking. Let's twist our thinking from the way that we feel about things naturally to the way he actually believes it needs to be, right? You have, he said, you, it'll make room for more. You should do that at home. It's fun. Do the grape thing and squeeze your hands. Like, it's, it's kind of gushy. Well, on the porch. Do it on the porch, not in the house. All right. So, how to be a generous giver. Okay, so now practical. Let's get practical for a minute. How to be a generous giver. The first thing, it starts with gratitude and praise. You can't give what you're not thankful for, no matter how much or how little it is. Psalm 100 is one of my favorite, favorite psalms. It says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now note this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, yes, yes. that you put breath in my lungs today. Thank you, Lord, that there's food on my table, roof over my head. 
I don't care what the balance is in your bank account or the treasure that you have or the amount of time you think you don't have. Be thankful for it because that sets you up to give. So it starts with thanksgiving into his courts of praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. Notice it didn't say give him thanks because he gave you stuff. He said, the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. You know there's a generational effect on your ability to be generous? There is. My parents were generous people. They didn't understand why they needed to be generous, but they were generous people, and that had a generational effect on me, and my generosity has effect on my kids and my grandkids now. There is a generational effect. He is faithful to all generations, okay? The second one, recognize that it's all his. It's all his. I've heard people from pulpits like this say, 10% belongs to God. So funny. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, give, right? And He is our provider. It all comes from Him. We get to do a, a big word called steward it. That means we get to take care of the resources that God has given to us. That's it. It's all His. Why? Because as believers, we are dedicated and committed to living a life that belongs to God inclusive of our time, our talent, and our treasure. It's all his. Number three, believe that serving God is worth it. It holds value to you. Serving God holds value to you. And I'll tell you, Israel did not believe this. So this passage in Malachi that people get through, that we'll read in a second, was because... People, the children of Israel didn't believe that serving God was worth it. See, they were in captivity in Babylon, right? And then Persia overtook Babylon. When Babylon was uh, enslaving Israel, it was a physical servitude activity. When Persia took over Babylon, it became a cultural thing. They began to infuse their idolatry into the Israelite culture, right? And so before you know it, Israel was like not following the principles of God and so forth. And they were distracted and they totally lost focus on who they were. And that manifested itself in poor sacrifices. The children of Israel, right, the, the, God said, bring me the first fruits of the lamb, the perfect unblemished lamb, right, to sacrifice. And they were bringing blind sheep and, you know, lame goats and all that. That was the sacrifice. They forgot who they were. And then they gave something beside their best. So when you get to chapter 3 of Malachi, right, that's, up, that's the first two chapters. When you get to chapter 3, we can tell that they didn't believe serving God was worth it. And here's what he said, Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord. I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Isn't that funny? I haven't killed you already because I made a covenant with Abraham, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what he basically said there. 
Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you. But you ask, how can we return to you when we have never even gone away? These people were so messed up in the head, they didn't even think they had turned away from God. And he said, oh, okay, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me in tithes and offerings. And what tithe is there is basically the old Levitical law that said you bring 10% of the first fruits so that the Levites could eat, basically, right? And that's basically what the purpose was at that point. You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for you will guard them. Uh, from insects, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commandments or trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins. Wow. See, the whole tithing passage piece of that is really about the fact that they didn't believe serving God had value to them. Wow. And so that's why they didn't give. So I ask us, like, Jesus said, give and it'll be given to you. And the measure that you give will be returned to you. That's his words. Where you give and how you give, uh, we have a fun thing in our house that we do sometimes that if we ever get a bonus or some extra money we didn't um, count on, we always just kind of set it aside and we say, God, give me opportunities to find a way to give. Right? So we carry some cash and just say, oh, there's a 20. Oh, somebody needs a 20. Or extra tip at the restaurant, Texas Roadhouse, right? Right? Ask Jason sometime about his Texas Roadhouse story, right? But the reality is that God gives us seed to sow. But we have to believe that it's worth it. Not to get. We're going to get. Jesus said it. We're going to get. But you don't do it to get. You do it because you believe God is worth serving with your whole being, your time, your talent, your treasure. So let's don't get wound up at the tithe. If you want to tithe, if you want to take a 10% of your income or your talent or your treasure or whatever it is and use that as a baseline for giving, go for it. We do it in our house. Okay? But if you don't have that kind of faith or interest or whatever, ask God what you should do. Yeah. Hear God and do what he says. Yeah. Sometimes he might say, 15. Wow. Wow. Yeah. God, I don't know how I'm going to get 15. He said, that's not what I asked you. Yeah. I said, just do it. Or he might say, you know what? I want to take you on a generosity journey. Yeah. Right? I want you to start giving your time. Right? I want you to be like Jim and give only seed that you have, your guitar, or something like that. Whatever it is, be generous with it to the kingdom, to people who God brings to your path. That's what he wants. He doesn't need your money. Okay? He wants you to be in that generous spirit and be on a generosity journey so that just like the grapes, when those go away, there's room for more. Okay? And then the last point, Bree, come on up. Um, Start. Just start. How do you be generous? 
you just start. You find something to give and you give it. You find your time, you find your talent, you find your treasure and you give it. If there's money to be given, give it. Whether it's here or whether it's to someone that you meet on the street. God is, I could tell story after story after story. I was at a Weigel's one time and I was filling my gas and a car pulled up on the other side of the pumps and and I heard this this cry out like it was Chris crying and I went around and it was a very young young woman and I said what's the matter and she said she said my card's not working in here we don't have any money and I need to get and I noticed there were two babies in the car like I'm like so it's not real hard right to decide at that moment what you're supposed to do but I heard God nonetheless say fill her car up then ask her if she needs some milk at Weigel's good milk So I said, can I fill your car up for you? And she said, no, you don't have to do that. I said, no, I don't have to do it. But God just said kind of, I should fill your car up. Put my card in, filled her car up, took the babies. I said, look, I don't know where you're going or why you're upset. And you could just kind of tell there was something going on. I said, I don't know what's going on, but God just wants to know he sees you and he loves you. Guys, I didn't even... I didn't even notice the money was gone. It was $12 to fill her tank up back in the day when gas was fine. Right? Something like that. It was an insignificant amount of money. But to her, to know that God said, here, I see you. I already know what you need. I'm going to put a guy on the other side of the pump at Weigel's that's going to take care of your needs. You kidding me? God will move heaven and earth to get to us. But he just wants us to start. Look for opportunities every single day to give. And I can tell you story after story, but I'm out of time. I just want you to be open to unwinding your thinking about how generosity works because if you will think about it in a kingdom way it frees you so many times from pulpits everywhere and even in books and podcasts and all that stuff money in the in the kingdom of God or generosity in the kingdom of God creates bondage for God's people and I'm here to tell you that's not the purpose the purpose is to create freedom and life so that when you give God blesses and it's freeing you guys know what it feels like to give a gift imagine being able to do that every single day find a way just find a way so I want to pray for you and I want to ask you if you are a person who struggled with generosity See, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. Just start. Just start. Find a way. So if you guys could bow your heads, just close your eyes with me. I just want to pray for you. And if you're a person that says, you know, I get it. I've been messed up by this whole tithe money thing in church and all this stuff. And I want to look at it differently. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. 
That's all. I want to pray from this side of it and say, God has allowed us to be generous over the years and he's blessed us beyond our imagination. But that's not why you should be generous. You should be generous because God is worth serving. He's worth serving. He's worth having everything. And so if that's you and you want to, you want, I just pray for you. And you want to pray, just lift your hand up for a second. I see you. I see you. Yeah. So God, I just pray for everyone in this room, especially those who raise their hands, say, I want to be generous, God. God, that you would give them the one thing that they need is courage to start. I don't know what people's situations are, but I know that you're faithful and that you've given everyone seed to sow, whatever it is. I pray first that you would make the seed visible to us. And then secondly, that you'd give us the courage to give where you've asked us to give, whether it's our time, whether it's our talent, whether it's our treasure, our money, wherever it is. Because God, you are worth it. You are faithful. And we thank you so much for blessing us with the things to be able to give in this way. And so I just pray for those who lifted their hand that you would just infuse by the Holy Spirit the ability, the courage, the visibility to be able to give and to be generous. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, can we just give that a... Come on. Bob, you're incredible. So good. So, so good. Y'all, it's true. It's so true. And it has been the heart of, of City Point Church. And, and I feel like those of you that have been around here long enough, you've seen that we try to model that as a church. We were... We, we've tried to be generous even when we didn't have money as a church. I'm slinging steaks at Texas Roadhouse trying to make money for my family. And we are still as a church being generous, trying to bless people. That's been our heart. Can we one more time? Can we honor Bob? Thank you so much. Great, incredible job. If you can stand to your feet real quick, I'm just going to bless you before you go. Lord, I just pray right now over all of us in this room that, Lord, you would move in a way that, God, only, only you can move. Lord, move in a way that's obvious, that it's not anything any man or woman has said, but it is something that you have said. It is your word. And Lord, I just pray over my friends, I pray over every, every person in this room, that you would move in a mighty way. Lord, I pray you'd bless us and keep us, that you would make your face shine upon us. Lord, that you would be gracious to us. Father, you would give us favor. Come on, and you would give us peace. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen.